You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Setting Side Up. I'm your host, Asher Matthew, and I'm super excited to invite to the show today uh, my friend from a very long time. Uh, we actually went to school together, uh, uh, and, and it's interesting that we joined, we were reconnected uh, in the Bay Area, Jasprit Joffer, who's going to speak with us about field training and enablement for the win. Jasprit, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Asher. This is amazing because we're friends. And we both have a love for podcasts, so I'm happy to be here. Well, thank you. Thank you. And I know we were joking about this, but it sounds like like it's actually just for our audience. Like, like Jaspreet went to school with my wife, and uh, and that's how we all got connected. And then when we moved to the Bay Area, we connected with Jaspreet because there were the, one of the, a few of the friends that we had. And Jaspreet's friend, uh, Jaspreet's uh, husband, Farooq, is actually my friend. <laughs> and, and we were just joking that we just with and I hang out more than our spouses our hang spouse. out. <laughs> Shame on them. No, exactly. Exactly. They need to figure something out, you know, like yeah. figure out how to get us all together. But but <laughs> great to have you on the show. You yeah. have done amazing work at multiple companies in the field of field training and enablement. And and I always say this that that sales teams or go to market teams or any teams for that matter, right? Like people always expect folks to rise to the next level, but mm-hmm. I believe that you always fall to the best training that you've had, and mm-hmm. and people have to train day in and day out. I mean, even if, if you if folks are listening out in the audience, and I know there's about seven thousand execs that listen to this podcast, but and this may not be new for them, but the the more you practice your skill, the better you're going to become at it. But you can do it in like activities like a podcast or you can do it with like writing blogs together. Just do it with somebody else who's equally passionate about it and you'll both get really, really good at it. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's great if you find that. Um, but if you have to do it yourself and lead it by yourself, you can still find people that are passionate about getting it right. You just have to go influence those parties to join you. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Let's define field training and enablement from your lens. Okay. So in my experience with Cisco VMware and now Palo Alto Networks, I've done training for both internal and external. Right now at Palo Alto, I'm focused on internal training. And I think if you get that right done first, then you could do a great job when you're doing external training. So, but at VMware, we were at a point where I was doing a lot of partner-facing training on, um, when I think about partner, I think about, you're mainly talking about programs available to them, membership, uh, memberships available to them that they need to take part in and they need to understand the process, or you have stood up something and you want them to be educated on it and you want to get feedback on it. That's kind of like a town halls and a training all combined together. And it's a lot of fun because all this work that you do internally, it's great to be at the front, 
of the people that you're actually impacting and then hear back from them. So I think training needs to also be a dialogue, not just a, here's all this content, go learn it <laughs> and come back to me if you have questions. It, it, dialogue, you achieve a whole lot more. And on the spot, you might even find uh, your next version of this upgrade that you might need to do on the training. So that is what I think is external. Uh, I am mainly focused right now at internal and it's a whole different challenge. So if it's great if your company, your executives have bought into the training you want to stand up, like it's part of the quota for the field, for example, that's going to be uh, a lot easier than you have a product. It's not part of their quota. It could be, but it's not defined specifically for them to have to achieve or you have a brand new product and you need to have the field care about it, but it's complex. Uh, and how do you get training built up so that they would want to take it out of their free time, which they don't have. Yep. <laughs> so that's that was my challenge. Uh, I am part of a group right now that got acquired by Paulo a year ago. We've got pretty good participation by the core field already, uh, pretty good compared to most acquisitions. And we want to grow that by 10% more. So that's the basis. And so, you know, that that's a very classic uh, situation that many people will find themselves in and go to market sales, or you could be part of sales operations managing this. Uh, you will have to face, how do I get people mind share to care about this training that I want to that I want to build out. So that's how I look at it. It's great, great. And I guess as we dive in, in into this a little bit, um, how do you identify the gaps? Like, how do you, where do you start from? Yeah. So if I don't have the sponsorship, if I don't have executive uh, buy-in, that's where I start. On why are we doing this? Once I've understood why I'm trying to build this out. What am I solving for and what would be my success metrics? Then I got to go and talk to all the executives about it because going top down is easier than building from bottom up. So if I've got all the leaders saying, yeah, this is great, or here's what else you need to add into this, and then I, my, my team will sign up or my team will support you in this and I'll go get all the people to sign up for your training. You got to start there. So all those meetings, it's a lot of work at the beginning, but you got to go influence and get all those people to support you in what you're trying to do. That's one gap. And then you always, if it's not a required training, you got to give some swag <laughs> to the field. You got to have some budget, yep. you know, whether, whether it's like the first 20 people that sign up, they get a t-shirt or I don't, I don't think sales people care about that maybe, but you know, they get a gift card or something like that. Right. You got to go get budget. Then. That's yes. pretty important. Yeah. Uh, and gamify the whole thing. Right. So for us, we're looking at the training has to have some testing, some certification along the way and some activities. But at the end, if you really want to know that this worked, and it resulted into a pipeline that you were able to then convert into a deal. Have those people, have the people that signed up for the training to do a pitch, you know, whether it's a, let's have you do a first meeting pitch or let's have you handle objection as part of uh, your sign off that you passed this training. And then if you do pass, you get some prizes. So that budget ask needs to take into account like things that you will give along the way, but also the end 
prize that you might give to the first 20 or first 30 people. Uh, those are things that you should have before you start kicking out and then uh, kicking off, sorry. And then who's going to speak? Who are you going to have speaking to all of these? And who are other people in marketing or in engineering or in product roadmap team that I need uh, to come and speak to different topics? And what would be those topics? Uh, getting those people's calendars. So all of these things, I mean, now we're going deep into the process of it, right? But yep. those gaps then build out what's my work, working team and how often do we need to meet and who can show up. And from there, it's you know, being creative, like you get with each uh, each speaker. And what we're doing as a fun thing right now is a, a contest with the speakers themselves. You know, we are going to go ahead and uh, maybe use LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a big marketing tool that my team here at Palo Alto uses. And if you're not using LinkedIn to your advantage, you should. It's a great uh, free <laughs> training and marketing for what you're doing in your career or personally. But we might just, you know, say best speaker out of the 20 sessions that we had. And and that's how you get the speakers to also really get energized and bought into what they're speaking to these teams. So if this is your first time starting out, give yourself a goal of how many people you want to have signed up. So, you know, take a look at, if it's a product, take a look at how many of those sellers have already sold that product in the past two quarters. And so if that's 30% and then you want to grow it by a certain percent, then you can come down to a number like, okay, I want to be able to have a 150 people sign up. And I'll just keep repeating this every quarter, this training. So uh, eventually I'll get to a point where they all sign up, but give yourself a goal for that first, first session that you kick off. And then you need to know who to go to. So if you've got a certain district or a certain territory where a lot of people have already sold your product, go speak to them. You know, what made them do that? Or a district that people have not sold your product at all, go find the regional VP there or um, some district manager there and who is dotted line connected to, to the specialists on your team or the SEs on your team and make that connection and find out why they haven't sold. Yeah, so go talk to those uh, people why they haven't sold and what would get them to want to participate in a training to learn about the product. This is all that prep work at the beginning, and then you have designed the kind of training that would appeal to most. You're not going to appeal to everybody, but if you know you're going to do it every quarter, you will eventually. You just need to have enough people at the beginning. So when you're getting that sponsorship from the executives on, I want to go kick this off, do I have your support? If you have fleshed out the speakers and you fleshed out the sessions and the budget you need and your goal of how many people that you are hoping would join, the, all of that information will be more than enough for people to say, yeah, I'll go ahead and support you and I'll, you can come on my leadership call and speak about it. And that's how you get the word out there. Um, from there, you got to go to marketing. I, and your company probably already has stood up avenues where the field goes to get their news. So don't yeah. bar them outside of that. Use the avenues that are already there. Don't recreate the wheel and just publish, you know, whether that's a live call, Palo Alto does a every Friday call 
and all of the Salesforce joins, just go on and went on there and talked about it for 10 minutes. Get the founders. I mean, this is, this is, um, this is relevant to my product because we were in acquisition. So I got the founder of that acquisition to come and kick it off on here's the training that we are going to roll out in June. Please join. So I think all of those things make an impact. And if, if the training has uh, the ability to get people to uh, access leadership that they normally would not be able to talk to on these sessions. That's also another pro that it's live. And you can do that even with a pandemic right now. We are doing all these live sessions globally twice a, twice a day. And they will be able to hear from SVPs and VPs that they normally probably wouldn't have access to. I said a Very lot good. there. It's okay. I mean, you actually went through the whole process, which is which is great. And and you broke things down. And I would I want to make sure that people um, understand a few things, right? One is you definitely have to make it fun by including some swag in there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can gamify this, but but find reasonable games, right? Because sometimes people try to gamify this to the nth degree and it doesn't actually work. It, it actually backfires because the game is so complicated because people are trying to figure out how do I keep score versus how do I go do it, right? Yeah. And then... Um, and then, and then, and then, testing is always viewed as a very, I would say, negative thing, right? And uh, uh, and and the, in places where I've learned how to uh, enable folks, uh, I actually look at this as competency development, mm-hmm. and uh, and I and I tell people that if they're philosophically aligned on providing the best possible experience to their customers, who they're spending time with. Right. Like, like, and, and again, like earlier in our careers, we didn't care about this stuff because we're like all, all activity is good activity. Right. But now we don't, right. Now we have to say, well, do I spend time with my kids or do I go sell? Right. And if I'm going to go sell, I might as well make this the best possible experience for them because I want to make the best possible experience for my kids as well. Right. So like the analogies are so, so, so similar. And so, so testing needs to be viewed as competency development and the positive side of things so that you learn. The more you learn, the more natural it will seem. The more natural it will seem, the more fun the other person will have. And if you're trying to make a sale, uh, somebody actually on this podcast told me that the sale is actually not happening in the conversation. It's happening in the buyer's mind. Mm. And- and so if there's no emotional or physical-ish uh, type of connection uh, that you can see and hear and feel, right? And I know it's really hard to do it virtually, but if you can do it, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be great. Yeah, I think what, that's a really good point. And one way to make it feel that way to the, to the person who's registered is when you're asking them to register for your training, get content so you can you know get information so you can customize it to the to where they are in the journey so great point you know do they have a challenge what is their challenge do they have a deal possible deal that is that is active for that next quarter that they would want help in so in the sessions they can we can talk about that and we have looked at you know what people are saying the customers that they're potentially targeting but the challenges that they're they're having so Using that could be the the exit criteria. You know, have you been able to successfully talk back to that challenge that you told us you had at the beginning? Let that be the the test. You know, and 
a prize for it for them to get. And they would want to be able yes. to because, I mean, that's that's what is in the DNA of a salesperson to be able to make the sale. And if you help them in your training to actually do that, and you're learning from the founder of the company or the VP of, of that product, whatever, then you know you're learning from the best, right? The ones that actually created this and really understand yes. it. So that's pretty key, yeah. Yes. Yes. And I actually really like that. Like if the founder of the product is around, mm-hmm. have that person speak because they can actually talk about the why they decided to pause a whole bunch of other amazing things in their life and go work on this project or problem and solve it. And what are the trials and tribulations that they went through to even get to the point that they solved it in in some way? And then just like all small companies go through, they go through the scale problem because they would need a lot of headcount to scale their efforts. That's why they join larger companies through an acquisition. Um, They can actually speak to that. And and that decision actually becomes very personal to the founder, but then the the explanation of this decision becomes very personal for the field. Mm-hmm. And then they, when they internalize it, you know this this whole thing about how many people show up to a enablement session, it kind of goes away because people are really bought in into the purpose of the product versus the sale of the product. Yeah, yeah, that's an excellent point. They are now on the journey with you. And yes. it's, you know, no longer I'm learning or I, I signed up for this because I was asked to or kind of, yes. you know, required under the seat to have to, to show up for it. But yeah, that's a great point. You got to bring them on and then they will bring the customers on. They might yes. even use some of what you share in the selling process. <laughs> so yes. the more natural it can be, because again, again, people think about like, like, like selling and stuff as this, uh, let's call it devious, like tactful approaches, right? Yeah. It actually doesn't have to be like that. You can just be transparent. Here's what we did. Here's how we got to where we need to be. And and this is it now. But structuring that in enablement and, and training is really important because yeah. if you get the facts wrong, you build a narrative that is completely off and doesn't align with the other narratives that the company is trying to position themselves with, with uh, which is actually a really hard thing to do. Um, that's where where we have to leverage folks with with your level of expertise to guide us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's few things, few small things you can do. Maybe not use the word training in the title <laughs> yep. or enablement. It's such a buzzword, and it's already got enough connotation around it. Give it a fun, fun title. Uh, for example, our training, I guess you can say at VMware, when we were meeting with partners, we just called it a round table instead of a training with partners. And it was in London. So we just called it the European round table. <laughs> and, you know, some different kind of word for what, what you're bringing people together instead of like, this is a sync meeting or a training or an enablement. Give it a different title and, Academy is great. I'm hearing that a lot um, at Palo Alto. The trainings are called so-and-so Academy. And then there's a whole, like, you have that feel of going through an, something official and grand and royal yep. a little bit. Yep. So yep. those titles make a difference in the in the mind of the person who is reading it and not really hearing it from somebody sometimes. Yeah. What what are some of the lessons that you've learned from the year over the years outside of like some yeah. of the ones that we've talked about? What's some of the hard lessons that you've learned? I'd love to get get, yeah. uh, get educated on those. 
Yeah, if you're doing it globally, don't don't uh, forget to spend enough time with the other theaters or other geos, especially Europe. They're very unique. So do make sure that you are catering to that geo as much as possible. They'll always have different needs. And if you are truly wanting to do this virtual, which I think is the way to go, there's enough content out there that is, you know, online and do it at your own pace. And it's not the same experience. If you really want to make an impact, do it right, do it once if you have to, but do it live. So spend the time with the people that would uh, support you in what you're trying to do in other geographies, other time zones than you. Uh, if you don't, you may not get the participation that you wanted or last minute there will be a, oh, people signed up, but they didn't show up, that kind of thing. Um, another lesson is don't try to do it alone at all. There's a lot of people that you can access, a lot of resources you can access, and you, you should go ahead and take advantage of all of that. Even simple things like for gamification, uh, we're going to use Kahoot. I don't know how to set that up. I'm going to go ask somebody in marketing to set that up, you know, or, or somebody else in project management to set that up. Those small things, whatever it is, or creating the content, you know, don't go, don't build it from scratch. There's probably enough stuff there already from the speakers and just ask them to, to set that up and you just have a template for them or, or small things like that. So don't try to do all of it alone. There's plenty of people that you can reach out to, to help you in the process. And it'll be important to do that, that other people feel involved and feel their place in the training that you're creating. Yep. And that's it. I remember when we first used Kahoot at this other company that I was at. Yeah. And, and we were, I mean, I mean, it's so easy to use that, uh, that the comment was made, hey, this is super easy. Even a second grader can use this, right? <laughs> and then literally we asked, like, where did you find this? They're like, from second grader usage. We're like, wait a sec. So <laughs> actually second graders actually use this app? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. That's where we learned about it. And then they're like, oh, God, this is great. And then we used Kahoot through all of our internal trainings. It was fantastic. It was fun. It was, um, And then as we expanded our internal training to... Uh, partner fee uh, trainings, we used it with them and mm. they all loved it. And mm. and I think this Kahoot app, which is such a simple app, um, uh, just just uh, grew like leaps and bounds because of because how easy it was to use. So are you saying that I should know how to use it because it's a second grader? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think it's simple, you know. <laughs> okay, I heard but, you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but since I know we both have small kids, I think it'll be super easy to use and learn now how to use it. <laughs> maybe I'll give it to it my may be time. Yeah. Hey, can you figure this out for me, daughter? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. Cool. And and so so um, what about like like metrics, right? And you talked about metrics a little bit earlier in the uh, in the show. Yeah. And I bring this up because when I'm hanging around with other, let's call it sales leaders and let's call it go-to-market leaders so that we bucket them all together, right? Uh, the, the notion always comes up, well, what metric is field training or field enablement going to impact, right? And then things go from like sales velocity to close rates to all of these things, right? And 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 I, I believe there's value there, 
but but maybe there are other metrics that this can help. And so I'm curious, what type of success metrics have you uh, shared with your executive sponsors and which ones have worked? The ones that have worked, and it was mainly because we needed budget to be able to do the gamification and the prices, was the number of people we wanted to participate. And they already have data on typical trainings, how many people uh, participate, right? So I had real data to show them how many have registered. That made an impact. I think that's a starting point. But definitely pipeline is one that does come up on seeing that, you know, in the past, those 30% that have already sold a product, our product that we're training everyone on, going to convert that or grow that to, I don't know, 40, 50%, whatever it is. And, and showing that this training is going to do that. That's our target. Or if you were able to get that data upfront on deals that are active for the people that have registered, they're in the middle of closing those deals, we're going to close them. And you already have, you know, all the names and the, and the details that you need for those opportunities. You'll track them with the people that register. And that's really impactful, more than I think just a pipeline. That's great, too. It's bonus, bonus data to show that we grew our pipeline after this training. And we can, you know, close and like correlate it to the training, but not really, right? But if you can say these 200 people that signed up, 70% of them have a deal and we close those deals. Or maybe we close 60% of those deals. And the other ones we didn't because of pricing or whatever it is, right? So that is, I think, an important one. When you're first kicking off, those are great metrics, good enough metrics that uh, my leadership was very supportive of and wanted us to be coming, wanted us to, hoping that we would come back with positive results on those. And from there, if you can prove that from your first session and you're going to continue to do these sessions every quarter, there's other metrics. You'll have a baseline, right? Then you can expand on that. And maybe it'll also help you evolve the training on, I need to touch on this more. Or I need to touch on that more. One thing that we're doing because we're really customizing this to the challenges that people are talking about is we're going to offer them sessions on the side that they can register. So let's say session right. 10 is about uh, competitor intelligence, right? And and that is a big challenge that a lot of people will bring up on why they're not able to close a deal on, a, on, on an opportunity. You can say, look, you know, you heard from so-and-so uh, today. If you'd like to have a deep dive session with this person, we're offering that. And so that is then, you know, on purpose, even like they are more bought in if they do sign up for those. And you target maybe 10. You want to keep it a small group to help those people out. And then word of mouth from that expands and more people can sign up for those kinds of sessions moving forward. And you, it will result in you meeting that metric of closing those active deals. So I think those metrics are simple but powerful for when you're first starting out that resonate and it gives you the right baseline to, uh, to move forward with. So I like what you said about taking easier or simpler metrics to start off and then graduating this it just sounds like this is an iterative process and so for all the execs who are listening to this we need to make sure you understand that when you embark on an effort like this this is the 
the uh, an iterative process and you need to give it your energy. So this is not a, a something you do and it's like one and done or something that is a sales kickoff session or something like that. There's going to be repetition around this training. And, and you have to think about like, like do it once a quarter or maybe once a month. Do it in bite sizes. But whichever way you do it, do it. And use tools like Slack or, or any of the other tools to help reinforce the training. But it is important because if you have a sizable sales force, different people are using their content that was delivered through these trainings in different ways. And that's the fun of how we all get to learn about how do we work through these issues and, and learn more and better serve the customers. Yeah. Yeah. And if this is your only training, but you've got quite a lot of self-take training, uh, you know, use this as a parent training, if you will, where right. as they're going through the sessions, you know, a homework or a, a post activity could be go access, you know, this one one pager that we have and read through it or go do this activity that we already have uh, as a required training or a recommended training. So this this training, that live training that you kick off kind of also takes uh, takes the other ones or incorporates the other ones into it. So then it helps that person have an experience of what else is out there uh, in, in addition to what you're having them go through so they can leverage all the other assets available too because they will need that. They'll go through this training and even if you do a, a great job of having them really remember uh, the experience, they'll need uh, to be able to have uh, assets later. And Slack, you brought that up. That's also something you should take advantage of. Create a community of these people that sign up, especially if it's your first sure. time. Create a community, build a Slack channel, and keep it active even after the, the training is done as they're going through. Because, again, you want to, if your measure is do those opportunities result into a deal, you have that Slack channel to continue to help people and jump on. And they have access to all the people that spoke, all the presenters, whether, you know, whatever leadership position they were in. And I think that's impactful that it's that it's the whole community and it's the first one that kicks off. And if you do it again, which you should, uh, it's never a one-time done thing. Uh, and when you do it the next time, that word of mouth will carry forward on the experience everyone had. It wasn't just you know, you're a, you go through it once and you're done, but people really yep. carry you through the whole process, the whole journey. Yep. Yep. I could listen to this on repeat a couple of times so that we can like internalize. I'm going to definitely share this with a couple of my friends who are um, in, in field training and enablement. Awesome. Um, as we move to the next part of the, the podcast, uh, the, we, this podcast was designed to be a little bit actionable because we listen to a bunch of podcasts and there's not a strategy being spoken about, about things, but not many things that were actionable, right? So we always ask people to share a resource, whether it's a book, blog, newsletter, or website uh, that people can read and get inspired by what you found inspiration in. Yeah, I would say two things for sure. Take advantage of LinkedIn learning. There's quite a lot of stuff there. And I, uh, I'm so grateful to Palo Alto Networks. They gave us all LinkedIn learning access. Uh, there's tons to go through. But a book, I love reading books when I get the time with little kids. It's not always possible. But 
Go pick up um, Bill McDermott's Winner's Dream. Uh, that's a great book. I have it on my bookshelf. And actually, VMware had hosted him at one of the VMworlds a couple of years ago. Well, that's fun. And yeah, and we all got a book out of that. Um, so I'm. it's a, an excellent book. If you haven't read it, you should. Fantastic. And so as we close the podcast, uh, we always ask people to uh, name a couple of other folks in go-to-market or data science who we could invite to the show. So, and, and it also serves as a virtual high five because we invited you, you invite them, and the gift go keeps going on and on. So I'd love for you to give a virtual high five to a few people uh, that we should invite to the show. Okay. Uh, I would definitely invite my old boss from VMware, Fred Lopez. He's now at Facebook, WhatsApp. Uh, a lot of what I learned about partner-facing training, I would credit that to him. He's fantastic at this stuff. So he would be a great person, although I didn't tell him about the fact that I'll name him. But <laughs> All right, we'll give him a virtual high five. He won't mind. Virtual high five, yeah. Uh, second person would be my current boss right now at Palo Alto Networks, uh, Matt Hickey. Uh, he's got quite a career. He's been at EMC, and then he joined CloudGenics at the beginning years. And uh, when it got acquired, he's now leading go-to-market sales at Palo Alto. And there's a ton to learn from him. I have only known him for three months because I'm brand new to Palo Alto, but uh, his leadership is excellent to learn from. And then the third person is, <laughs> is you, Asher. Can you please tell us how did you... Sell three companies. Are you just the magic pill for any startup to hire? <laughs> oh, that's off. Uh, that's super sweet of you. And awfully nice. Uh, I did not pay just brief to say that, by the way, <laughs> for those who are wondering. But yes, we can totally do a podcast on what it takes to yes. to to build a energetic company um, and then drive an exit. That's great for all stakeholders, whether it's employees, partners, customers, investors, and mm -hmm. gone through this a few times now. Few, um, uh, and I, again, the last one was the one that I, sorry? You said few, uh, you should say three. That's not just small. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yes, yes, three times. Yes, yes. And so, and this last one, I had the opportunity of actually driving it myself uh, mm. with our CEO. So I got a uh, firsthand experience of it. And so, uh, we can totally talk about this. And actually, on your podcast, it'll be great. Oh, or I can come on here and pretend to be the host. <laughs> oh, that's actually going to be an even better one. Okay, okay. I like that that idea even better. Okay, we're going to have a guest host. <laughs> and, and make our and we're going to just breathe actually do too. this. Yeah, and, and make our oh, spouse yes. come and have them ask questions as well. I'm sure Rajini would yeah. want to know. <laughs> How you did it? Hundred percent. I mean, and she, she, yeah, absolutely. And the, and spouses actually play a huge role in supporting oh, yeah. uh, the individual when they're going through stuff, and you know, it can get crazy in yeah. terms of like the number of hours you work and the types of things that you have to deal with, and um, and and you have to give time to your family. Actually, that would be a pretty good pretty good podcast. Okay, we'll do that. <laughs> yeah, that might be great fun. idea. Great idea. Yes. All right. So as we close the podcast. Um, Thank you for coming on to the show and sharing information with us and educating us. If people want to get connected with you, what would be the best way for them to get connected? LinkedIn, definitely. You can send okay. me a message there. That would be the best way. 
Perfect. Perfect. So for folks who are listening, and again, our audience is global. So you may get some folks from like India or Japan or Germany. And, uh, uh, and it's, it's amazing how quickly this thing became so popular for, yeah. for people that were in leadership roles. And, uh, and it appears that everybody needs help. And so on that note, thanks again for joining us. And, uh, and really good, great to, to do this with you. And uh, best of luck on your journey. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun and I appreciate being able to share. Uh, Hopefully it's helpful for somebody. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate and review us and share these insights with your peers.